Hello and welcome to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I'm your host, Robert Hughes, and I have Michelle Wheatley back with us again. Uh, if you didn't watch uh, the previous episode with her, she's a behind-the-chair stylist, owner of two salons, and business advisor. Um, we Last time we talked about uh, your different types of clientele, we got a little... We got the chance to know you, so if you all want to get to know Michelle, watch the previous episode. Uh, But in addition to that, uh, we heard some tips and advice on some of the most common challenges uh, that plague hairdressers, salon owners, and uh, suite slash booth renters. Uh, So you definitely want to go back and check that out. Uh, Today, we're going to uh, start by talking about uh, how you communicate about pricing and how you communicate about services. Uh, so, Michelle, for those people who didn't watch the last one, would you do a little quick intro? I'm Michelle, like you said, and I've been a hairstylist for 19 years. Um, I actually never had planned on being a salon owner because I really just enjoyed being behind the chair and the experience with clients, but had the opportunity to open a salon, which later turned into three. We have uh, booth rental salons, and we like to really support the independent in that salon environment. So this is kind of where this whole um, business advising has developed from, was seeing the real world, modern, you know, struggles where we have a client that, you know, books on somebody's request on somebody's books for a color, and they're really a color correction or books for a balayage and they're really a blonding service and all of these different struggles that we're facing now that we didn't really feel like we faced before um, and trying to really um, adapt the business to be able to support us so that we don't feel like we don't know what's going on in our business. Awesome. So, um, so when we talking about uh, communicating about services and menus, um, I'm very curious to know, like, you know, are are we talking about you know, better communicate with our customers to establish expectations so that we set ourselves up for success during the service, or are we talking about uh, you know making sure we're charging for what we should be, uh, all of the above, or even more all than of, that? All of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, we use service waivers um, and service agreements in the salon. They're together. So um, we'll go back to the communicating part of it, but I think that, um, I mean, I never had to do that when, as a, you know, stylist 10 years ago, I never felt the need to have to have a client sign agreeing to what we had discussed that was going to happen in the service appointment. But with all of these color corrections where people are wanting to do these huge transformations, many times we feel we're communicating what the outcome is going to be, or the fact that we don't really know what the outcome is. We did a test strand, but I think subconsciously clients are still thinking like, well, I saw your work and your work look amazing. Like, even though you're telling me we're not likely going to get this result, I still have that hope. And it's causing a lot of stress with that relationship because you feel like you've communicated with, uh, like they're not okay with the outcome. And then the stylist is discounting. So first of all, I suggest that everyone uses for at least color corrections or big services, a waiver or any type of big transformation. You know, we still back in the day had clients come in and say, oh, my husband didn't like my hair. And we feel bad somehow, like we need to do something. No, like if you make a change, 
These are the stipulations in which we can, you know, do this service, setting ourselves up to protect ourselves from having to feel like we're negotiating with clients. So that's first of all, that's in the, you know, in the service agreement. The second part of that is making sure that your service menu is very clear on what a service is designed for. Um, we can't have clients booking for a full highlight that are wanting a blonding service. We need, but that needs to be communicated because many of us gave clients blonde hair for years with a full highlighting service. Granted, they were coming in every five or six weeks. So the work we had to do was a lot less because we're only retouching just a little bit. Well, now we have these clients waiting four and six months trying to book for a full highlight. And it's a huge service that we're trying to squeeze in, get as many foils in the head, get them as light as we can in whatever the time restriction is that they booked for that. Don't know really how we're supposed to charge them because technically we still did a full highlight on them and losing so much money. You and I discussed like if we had a blonding service that was say 275 and we had this full highlight service that's 195, even if we raise our price on that full highlight service to let's say 200, but we're charging somebody 200 for a blonding service, we lost $75 on that transaction because technically that's, that's what that other service was designed for. Okay. Um, so I had a couple of questions. Um, one, let's just say a hypothetical scenario uh, that someone, um, I, what are you recommending with, you know, I have people book uh, through my uh, person who booked like my front desk, you know, yeah. and um, a lot of the times like a new customer, uh, I ask them to book me a little extra time, but I never really know what I'm going to get walking through the door. Uh, so is there, and I cannot be alone on this. So like what, unless without doing a consultation before the service, or is that what you recommend? What So I recommend it. So um, for whether you're an independent stylist or commission salon, we would have to figure out, I guess, a way that a commission salon would feel comfortable with the, the you know, client contacting the stylist. But I recommend an email for all new clients. It literally, it's a dedicated email for all new clients because you know that email is only gonna be new client, new client inquiries or new client responses to questions. Um, you can use JotForm for questionnaires. You can use Google Sheets for questionnaires that you share with them and they can even go through and answer you know, how many times have you colored your hair in the last five years? What kind of shampoo and conditioner do you use? What, you know, what is your goal? Kind of like get all of the text details through on your jot form or your Google Sheets. And Google Sheets is free. You know, if you open up a Gmail and you create a questionnaire in there, you ask them to email you directly to that new client email, send you whatever, you know, the front desk lets them know, okay, that we need three pictures and good lighting of your hair now and three pictures of what you're wanting to achieve. And then you are able to go in your email and you know that that's all you're going to find in your email. It's not mixed in with, you know, a bunch of other subscriptions or anything like that. It's kind of dedicated. And it's a way for you to prepare wholeheartedly believe that everybody needs to use some form of a pre-consult because that is where you are losing so much money. Because if you are booking out this extra time, you may need, to, if you're not going to do that, you need to charge some type of new client acquisition premium, right? Like I have um, uh, an SD and her 
um, waxing service for a new client is a little bit more because she knows that there is going to be this like a little bit of a longer consult, you know, time frame when she's taking, you know, when she's getting the client ready to receive the service. So however you figure it out, um, somehow you just need to make sure that you're planning for it one way or the other. Okay. Uh, I, so, um, I like the, uh, the second thing you said. So, um, this new client acquisition thing, um, I like the idea and concept of, uh, having a pre-consult with everybody. Uh, and especially if you're already full, or if you already have a relatively busy clientele, you know, your new client traffic isn't going to be that high. Uh, and then in the beginning, you're building relationships with people. So that your primary focus should be that. Cause I'm just thinking about that's a significant amount of time um, out of, you know, out of my life to communicate uh, about that. And um, so how about this? How about the, here's the real world scenario that it happens in uh, the salon, basically every salon that I've ever worked in. Yeah. And um, so the customer comes in, they say, um, I booked for a half highlight because all I need is a few highlights. And then you're like, no, you're like two or three steps. Um, and so instead of trying to get it done, uh, I've adopted the practice of saying, this is what I can do today and you can come back. However, there's a huge downside to that because, you know, we live in a world of instant gratification. And, uh, if the customer doesn't, if the customer wants that, they're going to be pissed. Um, but if they're reasonable, they won't. Uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that? So I definitely believe that in that um, having a few other systems set up in place during the booking process may prevent that. Um, even at the front desk, if we train to ask the right, right questions before booking the service. Um and for it to be clearly communicated to the client, this is the service you're being booked out for. So if you have any change in what you're wanting before your service, we need to know so that we can rebook you because there won't be enough time to do any additional services. So this may be something with new clients and existing clients that you haven't seen for a, a longer duration of time. You know, your regular like, bread and butter clients yeah. that are booking every four to six weeks, you can't, you know what the expectation is. Right. But let's say that this is part of what the front desk asks. When was your last visit? If you're an existing client, if you're a new client, obviously it's automatically going to be told to them so that they know ahead of time that they've been made aware that you it puts you behind in your day. It lowers your client experience. It makes you not feel that you have the time to process what your client is actually wanting, right? Because you're so focused on getting done what they want in that time frame. You may even miss what, you know, what it is that they're they're alluding to because they don't always they don't always know how to communicate what it is that they're wanting. And if you were able to just sit there and really have a little bit longer of a time with them, you would come to that conclusion easier. This, you know, will um, lower like redos and obviously client satisfaction and all of that stuff. So that's where I feel like a preventative measure should be taken. Um, the other side is yes, if they come in, you need to say with a smile on your face, oh my gosh, that is such, I would love to be able to do that. My day is so booked. The only thing is I will not be able to do a good job with that in the time, you know, in the time that is allotted. Let me work on 
this, you know, this specific part, because it's going to take me the most time. And then we need to book you in another, let's say three weeks, one at my first availability on my schedule, and we'll be able to complete, you know, complete the whole look. And unfortunately, that's just the way that it goes. I mean, you just really, you're going to have a little bit of maybe that instant gratification thing. But again, if you're able to let people know ahead of time, maybe in the confirmation docs, the three days ahead, when they're, do they call and confirm or is it all text message confirmation? Uh, we do text, we do text yeah. confirmation. Yeah. So maybe anybody that's a new client, do you have a booking system that identifies the new clients? Yeah, it could be better. So this is where though, when people realize, let's say we realize that we're losing $75 on a client by trying to squeeze in a service where it doesn't belong, like trying to do more for a client than really what they booked and what you're technically charging them for. Because imagine this, you brought this client in, you realize you only have this limited amount of time with them. You're trying to scramble to get whatever's done in the time you probably are so busy focused on what you're doing as far as the service that you may not even be thoroughly thinking through what the charge should be. And when they go, when they check out, boop, it pops up and it's booked for this one service. And you're right. so busy trying to think of taking your next client that you're not strategically thinking, okay, they were booked for this, but I really did this, this, and this. I need to charge them for more. $75. Okay, let's take my little calculator right here and see what $75 is a day. And let's just say that's on one client, right? So on one client, I'm like, my uh, calculator's always got numbers in it from doing this. So $75 a day, five days a week, and we're going to do 50 weeks a year. $18,750 a year. So let's break that down into monthly $1,500 a month difference, $1,500 a month that you could be losing because not because your pricing was wrong, because everybody talks about raise your prices, raise your prices, raise your prices. Listen, five or $10 on three clients a day. That's the third, you know, $30 a day. So yes, it's still significant, but it's half of what you're going to be losing if you're not effectively charging for the service that you're providing. So if we prevent $18,000 of loss by setting up systems, these systems, a lot of times I feel like, and you'll have to, um, you've been in a different environment, but since I've always been working with independent, so independent stylists don't look, most of them don't look a lot at their numbers because the one time that they really look at their numbers is during tax season. So they associate looking at their numbers with taxes. So you've got this negative look at it. Then let's say in a commission salon, looking at your numbers is what? Usually during some type of performance review. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Getting a positive, loving relationship with their numbers because the times that they're actually using it within either being a commission stylist or an independent stylist, it has this ew feeling like ew and you know and and all of these other uncomfortable feelings that we have to deal with as being hairstylists and we may love it right but we have to realize there's just discomfort there's discomfort with having hair all over you 24 hours a day clients that sometimes are really bizarre say really weird things you know whatever sometimes uncomfortable situations with other stylists in the salon you know not getting to take a lunch break if you haven't scheduled it you know feeling like you're con you know you're always running behind you're always trying to play catch up so 
what we have to do is we have to take a step back and say, I want to get out of this nonsense, right? I don't want to be part of this stressful nonsense that I've created for myself. I'm going to set up these systems and I'm going to thoroughly train. If you're in the salon environment, I'm going to make sure that literally that's how my, my front desk is rated. They're rated on their ability. We're going to, we're going to take, you know, um, you know, ask if most of the salon is being booked by the front desk, we're going to ask the stylist, how well do you feel you're being booked by the front desk? Not are the trash cans being taken out, you know, retail sales? Yes, we know. Swept up hair if they're doing that. We really want to know is what their primary focus of booking for, you know, for, for our guests, are they being able to do that effectively? And then list what the scenarios are that you struggled with during that month. I had this client with this. Okay, let's fix it. Let's find something that's going to fix it and that's going to work in our scenario. So, uh, so I'm going to kind of summarize um, some of this stuff and just correct me when I, if I'm wrong or uh, if I need, if it, or add anything that's necessary. Um, so basically, if you want to increase your customer, customer satisfaction, uh, decrease your lost opportunity to charge your lost, uh, cost, costs for, uh, for extra, extra product usage, uh, basically overall make more money. Uh, then you need to make sure that one, you're, you're, you're communicating to the guest properly on what, what type of service they're getting and charging for it. And that includes, you know, rethinking how we, how we list our, our uh, services uh, from a get-go. So to establish that mindset, the customer will have for that, they're, what they understand, what they're getting and charging. Um, and then we talked about, about uh, the booking of the new clients or someone who wants change. Uh, we dove, we dug in a little bit onto like, in addition to the, you know, to increasing your money, uh, decreasing your your costs slash losses based on those costs. Um, we also talked about like you're not really. Are you really doing a good job? Are you remembering to update your prices in the event that you have a front desk that's going to check people out? Um, are you communicating to the customer that that prices of what they what it is? Are you getting lost in your day and missing things? Anything from what you're doing on your customer to what you're charging uh, because you're trying to squeeze things in? And um, you know, I I would like I want to personally uh, put some emphasis on. You know, Whenever I talk to like a young stylist, but I guess this could be anybody because of what you're saying. Um, when we when we try to get, you know, one of my uh, one of the people that taught me color said, "What you rush today, you will fix you will fix tomorrow for free." And uh, so, any time that I'm trying to like get something done, I either make a mistake or I try to cut corners or. Uh, or I, I don't really listening because I'm thinking about, like you said, the other customer, or I'm getting it done and that customer is happy, but all the customers the rest of the day aren't because I've been running them behind. So, yeah. So um, is that, is that kind of establishing those systems and boundaries? And I think the hard part is the new stylists are not being modeled a healthy way of doing this because guess what? None of the rest of us have been doing it. 
we haven't been fixing the problems that have burnt us out in our business. And that is where I see the industry really needs to change. We need to be honest with the fact that, yes, we love what we do. But at the end of the day, the emotional and mental stress, as well as the physical demand of what we do, is what drives people to addiction, does not keep them in the mindset of taking care of themselves because less than 20% of people are saving for retirement. If we're really, if our industry is really uh, encouraging people to just run themselves kind of, you know, run themselves into the ground a little bit. And this isn't, this isn't what people are saying outwardly. It's just our behaviors, our, our, you know, uh, adaptive behaviors to the business. Um, But yeah, 100%. We got to not do this to ourselves anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's so good. Yeah. So I like, uh, you know, making sure the communication, the menus, the kind of static stuff, uh, but the, the active systems for intake uh, should help you with a lot of that. And um, so that's really good. Um, do you uh, have any uh, last uh, minute uh, tips or advice for, anybody who's trying to get a grip on their, uh, on their business as a, as a stylist. So just like I had said with, you know, in your salon environment, maybe having everyone give feedback on things that tripped them up in their business. If you have like a front desk person or people that are assisting you in your business, making a list of that for, you know, the manager to be able to review. Well, if you're independent, then you need to be doing that for yourself. So I do these 15 minute Mondays and it's spend 15 minutes. I I know it's really hard outside of work to then dedicate more time to work, especially with the non-fun stuff, the, you know, creating systems and doing things that are probably, you know, it's not the fun stuff. Set a timer, put on some music that you love and get a journal or a planner and write down the things that tripped you up in your business during that week. And then think about it for another week. How can I prevent this? Like with these stylists, you know, we in the independent stylists that we have in our salon. So we have these waivers for them, but they don't always use them. It's their choice. They're independent. We're not requiring them to do it. But as they've learned, oh my gosh, like this happened with this client, like this happened with this client they realized out of the experience of reflecting on what kind of turmoil it caused in their business and potentially how much money they lost, um, then they were able to make those needed choices. But you first have to come from the perspective of that. I can make my life easier. I may be making my life harder by just letting this thing kind of run itself. What do I want to improve so that I can get the most joy out of what I'm doing? That's good. Awesome. Well, if, um, if anybody's interested um, and uh, maybe talking more directly with Michelle uh, or maybe hiring her as an advisor, you can uh, reach out directly to her. We'll leave that information in the comments section on wherever you're listening or watching this. Um, that could be, uh, or you could reach out to us and we can make the connection uh, with Michelle. Um, so, in order, I like to end uh, my interviews with a laugh by asking my guests to share their most embarrassing moment behind the chair uh, or as it pertains to the business. Do you uh, have something that comes to mind? Maybe something that wasn't funny, but now when you look back on it, it's funny. Okay, so it wasn't really behind the chair, but 
Um, this is probably relatable to somebody. So um, at one of the salons that I worked with, and I told you, I've always been independent. So, um, you know, just came in, did my, did my work, left most of the time. At this time, I was only working, I think, two or three days behind the chair because I had a couple kids at this point. Um, and we each had our own wax pot. And at the time, I still did wa- eyebrow waxing for my clients. And because I was only there for two days, I would bring it with me and then I would take it, you know, take it with me home because I wouldn't be there for however many days. And I just didn't want there to be clutter on the back bar when I wasn't there. And, um, the owner has, has a reputation of being a little intimidating. It's funny because I wasn't really intimidated, but this night, I think I was just really like had been working, you know, a long day and we're just trying to get out of there. And the wax pot was still hot. Like the wax was still warm. And, um, he said something to me and I literally dropped the pot of wax on the floor. And thankfully I like, it was warm and I was like able to clean it up, but it's so hard because I'm so meticulous in my work. Like, um, I mean, not to say that I can't be a mess in other places, but like my business always ran pretty smoothly as a business, you know? Um, And literally I had never done anything where like I screwed something up on somebody's hair or like did a bad haircut or anything like that. I think this is like nine years in and here I am like just, oh my gosh, it was mortifying. Like, and he's, you know, like a really neat freak with this salon. And here I've just freaking dumped this wax <laughs> all over the floor. Imagine never, that take some time to clean time, up. Yeah. Every time I turn on my wax pot at home for my own brows, I think about that, that I did that. <laughs> and it's been like nine years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It won't do that again. <laughs> no. All right. Awesome. Cool. Well, this is so good. So uh, thank you again so much. Uh, Definitely love to have you on again in the future. Uh, I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. Um, But for now, I just want to say thanks for taking the time and sharing with us and everybody that's listening, feel free to either reach out to Michelle directly or to us and we can um, make that introduction to you. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.